Welcome to A Message of Grace. In today's message, Pastor Bruce Gilhorn discusses streams, streams of life-giving water, and streams of life-giving grace. Let's listen. In regard to our scripture readings today, our first lesson comes from the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophesied in the 7th century B.C., He warned Judah that one of the world powers of their day, Babylon, was going to overthrow their country, destroy their capital city of Jerusalem, and destroy the temple. The people ridiculed him, but he did not stop. He preached against the rituals of organized religion. He preached against simply going through the motions of religiosity without looking inside the heart. Jeremiah said, what matters is what's in here. And he writes about two trees or bushes, if you will, one that is in a hot, dry, parched desert with no water, and another that is situated by a stream of life-giving water. Let us listen. A reading from Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart, to give to all according to their ways according to the fruit of their doings. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The cold of February beats at our doors. The icy winds cut through us like a knife. And we wonder if budding trees and green grass are even possible. Our second reading And this is the fifth of six weeks we are hearing from Paul's letter to the Christians in Corinth. Is about a situation in that early church. There are other situations that he has dealt with. Namely spiritual gifts and encouraging them to see one another's gifts and giftedness. And to get along and to love one another. One of the other issues in the early church was that people were questioning whether Jesus did in fact rise from the grave. And we're wondering if it even happened. And so last week we heard how Paul gave reference to a bunch of people by names to himself, in fact, too, who have seen the resurrected Christ. Nowadays, too, questioning the resurrection, it's nothing new. And Paul tells us today that If Christ did not rise from the dead, then his faith is in vain. 
It might seem impossible, just like it seems impossible that we're going to get green grass in a few months, but he reminds us that death is swallowed up in victory. Let us listen. A reading from 1 Corinthians. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain, and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true, that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins." then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have died. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The Holy Gospel according to the sixth chapter of St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came down with them, and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. And then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and defame you on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. And woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all speak well of you, For that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As many of you know, uh, we live in the church-owned home called a parsonage next door to the church. Now, in, in the basement of the parsonage, in the workshop area, there are these set of faucets, taps, that come out of the wall, right? Now, the drywall is all finished off, nice around these taps, and they got handles on them. But you know, if you open up those taps, you could wait till the cows come home. You'll never get water out of them. Never. Prior to us coming there, I'm not sure when, they decided to put the uh, the bathroom in a ba- in a basement, and they decided to put it in the other corner, along with the laundry room. So they they cut off those 
water lines, and they cap them off. So there you have these wonderful taps hanging under the wall, doing nothing. They're dry. They're empty. I thought of those taps when I read Jeremiah's description of the desert and the plant, the shrub, lacking water, lacking moisture. Jeremiah lifts up a pretty desolate picture and he compares a person without faith to that shrub in the desert, struggling to survive. People like that are like the taps in our basement. They look good on the outside, but they are cut off from that life-giving flow of water, that which brings life and sustenance. A little while ago, I saw someone with a T-shirt, and uh, as many T-shirts, it had a slogan on the front, and the slogan on the front of this T-shirt said, He who dies with the most toys wins. He who dies with the most toys wins. Now, there's something lighthearted about that, right? That makes you want to laugh. He who dies with the most toys wins. But there's also something sad about that that makes you want to cry. The emptiness of seeking after stuff, the toys of life. There's something about that slogan that makes you want to cry. Caught up in the pursuit of stuff and toys. And they are like, according to Jeremiah, that shrub in the desert. When the hot winds come, when the wind blows, when the wind of life that is often contrary and when the hot stuff of life comes, there is no depth of root, there is no moisture, and there is nothing to quench its thirst. Outwardly, they appear to have much, but spiritually, they're like that shrub in a desert. But you know what? There's good news in this text, too. Jeremiah offers another picture, another not a shrub, but a tree beside a stream. A stream that has life-giving water and a stream that the tree's roots draw upon so that it is healthy and strong and vibrant and alive. So what, when the hot winds of life blow contrary and the desert storms come, this tree... This tree is alive and healthy and strong because it has roots in the stream, the river of life. Its strength comes from the Lord. You know, in scriptures, there are many stories about people who have this life-giving stream. There is a religious leader. His name is Jairus. His daughter is ill. He comes, you know, the, the wind of life is blowing contrary. His daughter is ill. He comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, come. That's a religious leader coming to Jesus, asking him to come and help him. And Jesus goes. And, and uh, his, when they get there, the daughter's died. And Jesus says, she hasn't died, she's sleeping. And people laugh at Jesus. But he goes up to the room and he tells her to get up and she gets up. That life giving stream, that living water of faith and of grace and belief and trust. There's a woman who has been hemorrhaging, according to the scriptures, for 12 years. And for the Jewish people, that's uncleanness. Blood is unclean. And so when it's that time of the month, you're not supposed to go out 
so many days before, so many days after, for 12 years, she hasn't been able to go out in public. And she goes and she thinks, if I can just touch the hem of his cloak, I'll be made whole. And she touches the hem of his cloak, and she's healed. Grace upon grace upon grace, that life-giving water that when the wind of life blows contrary, she draws from it, and she is healed. Zacchaeus, who climbs a sycamore tree, a short little man, short literally and also short figuratively, because on the moral chart he comes up rather short, but he climbs a tree to see Jesus. Jesus stops and says, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house and have a conversation with you. Grace upon grace, that stream of life-giving water. The disciples, they are caught in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. The boat's filling up with water. They're bailing harder. They're throwing out another anchor. And Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And finally they wake him up and say, Jesus, don't you care we're dying here? And Jesus wakes up, rebukes the wind and says to the sea, peace, be still. Drawing on that life-giving stream. When the hot winds of the desert blow contrary, he is there. And it's grace upon grace upon grace. When Jesus is on the cross dying, there are two thieves, one on either side of him, and one gives him a hard time. Hey, if you are the Son of God, get yourself down, and while you're at it, get us down too. And the other thief says to the first, hey, leave him alone. Can't you see we belong here? We're getting what we deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he simply says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Grace upon grace upon grace, drawing on that stream of life-giving waters. This is a glorious message that we have. A glorious message that we have as the children of God that, yeah, Sometimes life is like a desert, but we got roots in that which lasts forever, the stream of life. A story is told about a couple who was traveling overseas, and they were in an airport, and they noticed that in the airport, this was a younger woman sitting in a chair in the waiting room and tears were streaming down her face. So they went over and they asked her what was wrong. And it was obvious that she was from North America and that she had a backpack and it was worn and tattered from traveling. And so she shared with them her story that she had been traveling all over. She had finished school, worked for a few years, saved her money, and she went to travel. And she ran out of money and she actually hadn't eaten for a couple days, but with her last dollars, she bought a ticket home. And this was in a day and age before electronic tickets, before you could just scan your smartphone and show them that you had a ticket. It was in the day and age of paper tickets. And then she began to sob and sob because she said she lost her ticket. She'd gone through every compartment in her backpack multiple times. She checked every pocket in her coat multiple times and she could not find her ticket and the couple said you know surely there's something they could do for you at the ticket counter 
and uh, you're hungry, why don't we take you for lunch and we'll go check at the counter and see what they can do for you. And she got up out of her chair and all of a sudden there was this scream and this shriek and the couple thought, what's happened? And they turned around. Her ticket was on the seat of her chair. When she sat down, she'd put the ticket on and she was sitting on it for the past hours, fretting. She laughed, she cried, she hugged the the people that were trying to help her. She hugged other passengers in the airport. And then off she went, disappearing into the crowd. We have been given a glorious message that in the midst of life's journey, when we come to those desert times when the wind blows contrary, we know this one who brings us grace upon grace upon grace. We know this Jesus, this stream of living water, this life-giving water. It's a wonderful message. It's a glorious message. And the question is, are you sitting on your ticket? Are you sitting on your ticket or are you willing to share Get off that message and share it. You know, I mentioned about the taps in our basement. There are taps on the other side that are functional, that work. Dishwasher, not dishwasher, the washing machine, the shower, the bathroom. The water flows and it brings life and it's life-giving. They are not cut off. They are like that tree beside the stream of living water. And we are not cut off. There is emptiness that is epidemic in our society in the slogan on that t-shirt that makes you want to laugh and makes you want to cry. He with the most, who dies with the most toys wins. But we have a life-giving message. Don't sit on that message. Be connected to the one who quenches the thirst of your soul. And let that message flow through you to all that you know and all that you meet. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and souls in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to A Message of Grace. If you would like more information on our congregation and how we can be of service to you, please visit our website at www.gracelutheran.ca or check us out on Facebook. Peace be with you.